Hey traders, David Frost, My Strategic Forecast. You're here for another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis. Today is Tuesday, March 30, 2021. We're looking at a daily chart of the SPY or Spider, which is the proxy for the S&P 500. What do we have on the docket today? We have a lot of stuff on the docket. In fact, I have a list of notes some of which are a little ancillary, but we're going to have some fun going through some off-the-beaten-track stuff. In addition, this is mic challenge number two. So now I'm using a different mic than I used last night, and I want your feedback. Let me know which one is better, 1A or 1B. Mic number one, mic number two. Monday mic, Tuesday mic. First, let's take a look at the daily chart and we'll assess the position of the market, what's going on from the bigger picture perspective. And again, we have the same lines on the screen from last night, 292.82 down to 292. Now the market never got to 292, never got to 292.82, but it got to 293.02. It basically did the same routine it did yesterday, only in a different format. It missed the number. It missed my number. We'll get to that when we get to inside the numbers. But then they did it this afternoon, and I'm going to explain that also. Why? Because there's a method to the madness. I'm here to tell you, been doing this long enough. When the market misses numbers over and over again over a multi-day period of time, for example, it's doing something. It's setting up for something. It's trying to tell you something. Any and all of the above I've been here before, I've seen this before, read the book, seen the movie trailer, they're missing numbers, they're acting a little strange, there's something coming. Could be on the upside, could be on the downside. I don't know which way, I'm telling you there's a move coming bigger than a bread box. As far as the position of the market as it relates to or as compared to Monday's close, they didn't really do anything today material. They're basically having day number two eating time off the clock inside of Friday's breakup candle. Okay, fair enough. That's really all that's going on from the daily chart perspective. They're above all the moving averages. While they're above, the trend is your friend, period, full stop. They're near the old highs. They may have recocked the gun. They may have another rally to bust through S&P 4000, get into the 4000s, print the number, that kind of stuff. Tomorrow on Wednesday is the end of quarter, the end of March, end of quarter. We alluded to this yesterday. Are they holding the market up into the end of quarter? Likely yes, but that's neither here nor there. Tomorrow ends the quarter. The following day begins a new month and volatility is on the docket. Incidentally, this week is a four-day trading week. Friday, the market is closed. No need to show up in uniform on Friday. It's an off day. We have earnings season coming in a couple to three weeks. The close of March closes quarter number one. Companies will report their earnings beginning around the second week in April, and it will go on for several weeks. We go through this all the time. There's four cycles every year. Here comes first quarter earnings coupled with volatility on deck. Let's go over inside the numbers, and in the midst of doing so, we're going to look at some additional charts, and we're going to take a look at something else that happened today, and it's also coupled with something else that I found some data on today. It's very interesting information. It speaks back to the big picture. I think you'll be interested to find this out later. 
It's called a tease, and I'll get to it in a couple of moments. It's Turnaround Tuesday, wake up flat in some basic spot from yesterday. And then, as the sun began to poke its head up, Mrs. Market began a touch of a pullback. They began to sell the market a little bit. Just an observation at zero dark 30 in the morning, nothing more, nothing less. One of the stories dominating the airwaves and the fiber cables is the record margin call of Archegos Capital, I guess it's pronounced. And here's what I'll say on that. There's a whole lot more in there than we don't know than what we do know. This is the margin call that took down Viacom and Discovery Zone and I'm sure some extra companies that I'm not aware of or not knowing about. That's what a margin call can look like. When a family office, multi-billion dollar family office or hedge fund or mutual fund or whatever it is, they get a margin call, it's forced liquidation. But there's more than meets the eye with this story. There's a big question mark around why, what actually happened, how much leverage was going on out there, who provided the leverage, and most importantly, and this is the question that I really have is, who else did they provide that leverage to that could be in a similar position if the market or any particular equity that they're holding takes a downturn and there is more or are more margin calls. We don't know, but that's the mystery of it. Nobody really knows what or why happened. All we know is what the pundits are telling us on TV, and I can assure you, whatever they told us over the last couple of days on TV isn't necessarily and isn't likely the final case. There's a lot more information, and whatever information they already told us is likely to change. Why is that? because they're wrong the majority of the time, at least right out of the chute. It's not me saying it, it's the evidence that says that. It's the history that says that. Do your homework. Go look at the reporting around certain issues. Go look at it over a period of time. What they say right out of the chute ends up being wrong about 99.9% of the time. You would think that they know that by now, but it never stops them from quickly reporting things that they haven't had a chance to research and investigate. Welcome to the 21st century media. So let's see what else we got in terms of the early thoughts from inside the numbers. What's the early look and the early numbers to watch? We've got the same spot from yesterday down around 392.80 to 392. However, it's not exactly the same as we know. Why is that? Because yesterday they already ran a test of the breakup candle low and rallied back. Doesn't mean it's not support, it's just not looked at the same way it was yesterday. Next time down is not the same look, however, there is still a lot of support in that neck of the woods. On the flip side, if they pop them at the open, the prize is still 397.12. They didn't quite get there yesterday, close. We're moving right along, let's see what else is going on, 905. We'll let them open the thing and get going. 394 is important, write that one down on your sticky note. 394 is important. They're basically in the middle of yesterday's range, which puts them somewhat in no man's land. However, we already have an idea of what the early pivot is. Again, 905, we're talking about the pivot before the market opens. 394, opening above, tips the hand to the bulls to try and push price higher. Opening below, or just getting below, and closing candles below, puts the support zone around 392.80 to 392 on the table. Here's your five-minute chart. 
You thought I forgot the vertical. I did not. Right of it is today's activity. And guess what? 394, which is the blue line, was your pivot. What is a pivot? It means the market's going to center around a specific number. It's going to fight it. The bulls and the bears are having a battle to decide who wins in the short term. Do the bulls win and they push above 394? Do the bears win and they push down below 394? Early on, it was obvious, to me at least, 394 was in fact the pivot. So there you have it. We issue the pivot at 905. 9.15, until they get below and start closing candles below, and that's 10 and 15 minute ones, candles that is, for starters, 3.92, there still should be garden variety support in the zone beginning with a spike of 3.93 again. This is what we were looking for yesterday. This is what we were looking for again today. 3.92.80 down to 3.92 is support and worth a look for a long side trade if reached sooner than later this morning. Getting below 392 on candle closes and it becomes incorrect and a cut and run type of situation, meaning get out of the trade. Either way, it's a trade, not a marriage. If they push higher, the first spot of resistance will come in around 395.75 to 396 zone. Again, this is the early look before the market opens. 927, we're still pre-market. Let's put it this way. As long as they stay below 395.75, on candle closes, they're likely to run a test of 392.80 or lower, current read. So what am I telling you here? I'm telling you a couple of things. In the pre-market, I'm telling you there should be support down at 392.80, down to 392. I'm also telling you that they're likely to go there until and unless they're trading above the gap left open from the prior day, which was, in fact, 395.75. Translation. Below the gap left open from yesterday, and they should run a test of 392.80. They got to 393.02. It's kind of close. It's not close enough. The concept was there. They did the thing where they go down if they couldn't fill the gap. All that was true, but then again, they didn't get to the number. It has me scratching my head a little bit. I have an idea of why this is. I've seen this before. We just have to wait it out. You see what happens after the bell opens or the bell rings? They're in the middle, either 395.75 or 394, and we'll see if the Bulls can play defense. So right out of the chute, what I'm saying is, are the Bulls going to be able to keep price above 394? Back to the pictures, back to the charts. So check this out. Think about this for a second. All that discussion about 394 in the pre-market, about it being the pivot, they're going to run a test of 394 if it's a pivot, right? We know that. That's just common, garden-variety, logical sense. So what happens right after the open? In the 940 candle, meaning the 935 to 940 candle, the low was 394.02, and they bounce away. That was the first test. Then you can see what happened. They bantered back and forth, above, below, above, below, and they tried to get above, but they can never really get very far, even into the afternoon, even with an end-of-the-day ramp effect going on, they still couldn't get up to fill the gap, and they failed. We're going to come back to this in a moment because this is one of those things when you look at a different chart that comes where? Right out of the course, lazy e-mini trader with a caveat. What's the caveat? The caveat is that the trick, trap, fool, and frustrate crew played a role. Let's move on. I'll come back to that. And here you have 394.02 at which 
point the special team's goal line defense was set on the field real quick, and they were. Late edition stocks on the move, ATVI, never know. I did that primarily because, again, nothing hit their number. Nothing was even trading toward their number after the opening bell. Why? Because we're in a floater type of market. It's not earnings season, and we're not getting the volatility needed to push these stocks to get to a destination where I'm willing to put out the number and willing to take the trade. That will all change, obviously, whether it's tomorrow, the following day, it doesn't matter. It always comes back around. We don't go very long, and we certainly don't go multiple days in a row with no trades. It just doesn't happen. So expect it to pick up in short order. 945, here's the way this thing unfolds. If 394 holds, they can go sideways or higher, obviously. If they go higher and get above 394.73, the door opens for 395.75, which is overhead resistance. 394 doesn't hold on candle closes. The door is open for 392.80 and lower for a test. All right, so that's pretty much the schematic. 950, yes. There's a ride down and also should be a reaction from within that zone for a trade on the long side. Something for everyone. Some don't like the short trades, meaning riding the market down into that zone. Others don't want a long trade from that zone thinking the market's going to go lower. Either way, there's something for everybody. I'm giving you the target on the downside. I'm giving you where the support is, and I'm giving you resistance on the upside, and I'm telling you that if they can't get above, they're going to do the other thing on the downside. What more are you looking for? If a trader was short looking for a ride down, they would also have to book profit along the way and expect them to whip things back and forth. That's an awareness type of thing. The target would be 393 or lower for the short. You have to front run the target on a short, and a long for that matter. They hung around 394, yada, yada, yada. Let's see what else we got as the morning unfolds. They started to come down. Here you go at 1023. They should really spike 393. That's what my belief was in the morning. That's where I was willing to take the trade. In between 392.80 down to 392 is a long side opportunity for a trade. No change from earlier. By 1025, they bounce right in front of 393 which is why short trades needed to exit in front, right? The shorts need to front run on an exit. Are they not going to come to the number again? My number, that is. On one hand, that's bullish. On the other hand, it's a little strange. Just saying. Two days in a row, do the same type of thing. Day number one, they play around with the number and come do it later. That happens quite a bit. So war isn't a total surprise. On day number two... To miss the same number, come on, moving along. So by 1028, here it is. They did everything outlined in the schematic this morning except spike 393. They never got to the gap. They couldn't get there. So therefore, they wanted to do the other thing, which was come down to 393 or a spike of it. So the only thing they didn't do was spike the number. Same routine. Closing back above the pivot of 394 is bullish and will likely open the door for the gap. Now, from here, I'm going to scroll up, pause the video, read the notes, go back to the chart to double-check the work. If you're an intraday trader, interested in being an intraday trader, you can learn stuff here. This is the PhD inside the numbers. You learn the foundation of how the market works from the course, Lazy E-Mini Trader. The continuing education is these videos here, 
and inside the numbers is a trader's PhD. Now check this out, 140. By the way, now we've got an hourly chart bearish flaggish pattern on our hands. Remember I said I was gonna come back to something? That's it. We'll again, come back to that in a couple of moments. 394 is still the pivot. And then by 250, 251, there comes a point where watching the tape go nowhere isn't very fun. We've been watching at that point for a while. Into the end of the day, they can move up to the same place or down to the same place or lower. They're in the middle at present, so it's a coin toss. And into the end of the day, anything goes, we'll see it in the video. This is the video. Stocks on the move. Healthy list in length or in numbers, but nothing hit their price objective. Very frustrating, but that will change when we get into earnings season, obviously. That's when the trades begin to come fast and furious. All right, so we talked a lot about numbers, 394, 393, 395, 75, the gap, all that stuff. So we've got the numbers. Now let's go see what actually happened on a different chart. Here's an hourly chart. Here's your pivot, 394. So the market comes down this morning on a little bit of a gap down, and then it starts to go sideways. And you saw that commentary after lunch. Now they're putting in a bearish flaggish pattern, and they were. So under normal garden variety conditions, they're going to do one of two things. Either fill the gap and the pattern will fail, or they're going to come down and complete the pattern. So here's what happened into the end of the day. They begin to move higher, looking like they're going to go fill the gap. The bearish, flaggish pattern is going to fail. They'll fill the gap. Maybe they'll get rejected at the gap. Maybe they won't. But stand by for a moment because it gets better. You're thinking to yourself, because you were so diligent in studying the material out of the course, lazy e-mini trader, that you look at this chart and you recognize something very interesting developing. You recognize a full stack in the making. The full stack is taught right out of the course, lazy e-mini trader. I don't call it a full stack in there, but all the components of the full stack are in there. You have time, which is more important than price, on your side. You have a gap above, and if they fill the gap on time, is it a bona fide, reasonable trade to take on the short side? And the answer is, yes it is. A, because you know where you're wrong, B, time is on your side, and C, it was setting up almost picture perfect. So what are we talking about? Well, if you've taken the course, Lazy E-Mini Trader, then you should have a full and complete understanding of where time was on your side in this particular case. So you had this bearish, flaggish, wedgish thing going on. They start to break up to fill the gap. Here's where the quandary comes in. Here's where they enter Trick and Company. I'm going to go through my mindset. I'm watching this. It's towards the end of the day. I'm unlikely to take the trade anyway, but I'm watching this develop. If it wasn't at the end of the day with no time left on the clock, would have been a different story. But there was little time left on the clock. They start to run up to fill the gap, and they're on time. So the thought is, hey, they get to the gap. It's an easy trade. I know where I'm wrong. If they start closing candles above the gap, I'll get out of the trade. If you have to lose, you want to lose small and fast. That's rule number one, two, and three. But here's where the quandary comes in. They never get to the gap, and they start trading lower. So that's where the trick, trap, fool, and frustrate crew don't let you into the trade. They don't take the market to the number they know a lot of traders are waiting on, sitting there with bated breath, 
looking to short the tape. Instead, they come up short and then they hit the market into the end of the day. Now they didn't complete the pattern and they popped it back up. And in popping it back up at the end of the day, which brings another topic to the forefront, told you there was gonna be several ancillary things tonight. Wait till you see the next one. So they popped it back up at the end of the day and we're gonna have to chalk this up to end of the day shenanigans. Why is that? This is a one minute chart of the S&P 500 or the SPY. Look what happened at 15.59 with one minute left into the close. Look where they were. They made a low, let me move this over. In the last couple of minutes of the day, they make a low of 393.42 and a minute later they're at a high of 394.90. Why is that? To me, it's almost like they're hiding something. Why would I say that? What supporting data would I have to say that? Funny you should ask. For years and years and years, I get an email from a company called Sentiment Trader. They're a big data type of company. The owner, I believe his name is Jason Gepford, and I could be misspelling that, but I've been on this list for a very long time. I don't subscribe to any of their paid stuff, which they do have, so I can't speak to it. I don't really know what it is, but what I do know is he's knee-deep in data. He has a lot of data and puts out a lot of different charts and information around that data, a lot of ways that we don't normally view the markets and all the surrounding things around the market. So it's interesting. Something caught my eye. Every day it's not as interesting to me. This report that comes out, you get one email per day in the morning, and if you're interested, you read on further. This is what comes across this morning. So it comes across in an email, I click the link, this is today's blog post from Sentiment Trader. Does this indicator mean that the smart money is selling? So what are they talking about? Well, in short, what this is really saying is it's looking at the S&P 500, and then he's got a formula where he plots it against, right underneath, you see the last hour of the day plotted, and this is the selling that occurs in the last hour of the day. So the reason why this struck me, and this was long before, I saw this long before the last hour of today happened for sure. But when I saw them pop the market back up in the last minute, and we see that kind of stuff all the time, it just made me think twice, maybe thrice, about this particular email that came in this morning. What were they doing in the last several minutes of the day? They were selling stuff, institutional distribution. Somehow, some way, for some reason, Somebody didn't want the tape to end the amount down that it was a couple of minutes earlier. So they goosed it, a little bit of shenanigans going on, and they popped the market back up in the last minute for whatever the reason. The net-net, and you can just focus in the last paragraph here, recent months have seen continual erosion in the indicator to the point where it's at its lowest level in six years. When stocks have been persistent, hitting new highs while the last hour indicator was plunging to new lows. I think there's a typo in there. It has been a warning sign. Now, I can't speak to his data. I don't know whether this is correct. I'm just showing you something I saw that I found interesting. I've never seen anything plotted like this before with that kind of data. I found it interesting. I'm passing it along. Umpire calling balls and strikes. What's going on over in Camp IWM? Well, yesterday we talked about this reversal candle down here. We know one thing for sure. 
if they give up this low, first on hourly closes and then a daily close, they give up this low, it's good night, Irene. But this is a reversal candle, which means, A, it was on volume. We see 55 million shares in that candle. So that's a positive sign for the bulls. That speaks to maybe this was just a test of this pivot low, recocking of the gun. They'll get back above the moving averages and make new highs. Maybe that's the case. That case is supported by today's price action, but they're still below the moving averages. So is it just an up day? And there's something else that I want to bring up. We just have to remember, I want to reiterate, large swings in both directions. Again, in these corrective phases, and I know some of you don't believe we're in a corrective phase, and some of you do believe we're in a corrective phase. Either way, you can believe whatever you choose to believe. That's up to you. I'm just conveying what I see, what I believe, what I believe to be the umpire calling balls and strikes. I see bearish stuff. I see bullish stuff. I'm giving you the data as I see it. On this chart, as long as they stay below the moving averages, it's not a bullish chart, it's a bearish chart. That's the daily chart. What happens when you go over to the weekly chart above the 20 period moving average and all others on a weekly basis, and there's nothing wrong with the IWM, the trend is your friend, and all they've done is correct from the recent high down to around the 20 period moving average. There's nothing wrong with this particular chart. There is a divergence between what we see in the daily chart and what we see in the weekly chart, and that's normal garden variety market behavior. Why or how is that? Because all things have to start somewhere. If, in fact, the IWM is beginning to roll over, if it is beginning to get into a corrective phase, it starts from an hourly basis and then a daily basis, and it will morph onto the weekly chart, but it doesn't start on the weekly chart. What about the folks down at the transportation department? What can you say other than up 200 bills, another new high, the trend is your friend until she dumps you, nothing wrong with this chart, just move it along. A lot of this most likely has to do with, quote unquote, the reopening trade. The reopening trade with the cruise lines, the airlines, transportation around the US and around the world, could be rails, could be anything. Transportation is part of the reopening trade. Doesn't mean anything as it relates to the chart. I'm just saying. The queues, they were down today. Now, I want to address something with the queues that we talked about last night. Last night, we said that this is a bullish pattern, right? This is a bullish, wedgish, flaggish kind of thing that will likely resolve in another move higher. What I didn't say is another move higher the following day, meaning on Tuesday. So the trader who's blaming me for the cues not going up today as a result of what was discussed in the video last night should go back to the video last night and let me know whether or not I said that we could expect a higher number or pop out of that pattern today in the cues, or I just discussed the pattern and I said that it was okay as long as they stayed above the convergence of the 120 period moving average in this pattern. Dropping down below, if they break this pattern, that's a different story. But did I say that it was going up today? You tell me. When a chart, whether it's a five minute chart, a 15 minute chart, a 30 minute chart, a daily chart, any chart, when they're forming a pattern that generally resolves itself in one direction or another, we don't necessarily expect it to resolve itself on any particular day or any particular hour. 
we wait and we wait for the market to issue signals. Getting above a certain number opens a door for another number. Getting below a certain number opens a door for a different number and could potentially wipe out the pattern. That's the way the market works, one step at a time, one candlestick at a time. These are the same type of traders that didn't hear me say, don't buy short-dated puts on the market, you're likely to lose. They never make this easy. The topping is a process. They never make it easy. It's going to look like it's wrong a number of times before it's right. You can go back to the videotape. I said that several times. Those that choose not to hear and only hear what they want to hear, what fits in with their own confirmation bias, get what they deserve. If you pay attention, take notes, and study, that stuff doesn't happen. The XLF, above all the moving averages, no issue here. Up 31 cents, less than 1%. There's nothing we can really do with this information. They stayed above the 20 period moving average. That's all we know. There's no material change on this chart. About Smash Mouth, now this is slightly different than the Qs. And I'm not saying the Qs have to go up. I'm saying they can go up before they go back down. But this is different than the Qs. This is a bearish pattern. This could take more time. They can go back and forth for several more days, but ultimately this should resolve itself in another move lower. And that's in concert with what the charts say should happen. Think about this for a moment. We look at the IWM as a market leading indicator. So today it was up 1.68%, but the chart is nowhere near in the same shape as the SPY. Okay, fair enough. The tech sector, which is top heavy weighted, and has a bunch of fan favorites, hedge fund favorites. The Qs, the chart looks similar to the IWM, not near all-time highs, not as healthy as the S&P 500 and Dow. Why not? The SMH, which is a pretty good proxy for the tech sector as a whole, also has a chart that looks challenged. When we look inside these things, and we don't have the time tonight, but we'll do more another night, we look at the stocks, the big widest held stocks across the market, do you see charts that look like the S&P 500 and the Dow, or do you see charts that look like the SMH, the Qs, and worse? And it's the latter of the two, so when I say the market's entered a corrective phase, I'm looking at more than just the SPY. The market as a whole, when you look at the components of the market, has certainly entered what I consider the beginning stages of a corrective phase. Here's the weekly chart of Apple just as an example. It's not making new highs. It's not challenging the new highs. It's not in a bullish position. What is it? What's it telling us? Is this trying to tell us something? Even on days when the SPY rallies or the Q's rally, where's Apple? There's others like this, but I just wanted to throw one example into the mix so that we have an understanding of what I was referencing. And by the way, have I told you how much I appreciate each and every one of you? Without you, these videos are not possible. True and accurate information. We're going to pull the ripcord here today. I'm David Frost, my strategic forecast. Thanks again for tuning in to another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis.